2: Flashes it away, through the covers for four, and England have won the match.
1: Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Now, on this Sunday in July, three years ago, this happened.
2: This is the moment, it's actually a gap talk. Two to win.
0: Gatul's going to push for two. They've got to go. It's got to throw. got to go to the keeper's end. Go on, go on. Yeah! <laughs> go on! Go on! of all margins. Absolute ecstasy for England. Agony. Agony for New Zealand.
1: Of course, you'll all remember it. You'll all remember where you were. We were lucky, Simon and I, that we were actually there. And... It was such an extraordinary end to the game, of course. A lot of people not quite sure why England had won. Uh, they'd won on the boundary count back, if you if you can't remember. Anyway, ever since then, strange things have happened, one of which is that that England side has never played together since. The World Cup winning side of 2019, Owen Morgan, of course, has now retired as well and can be heard in the commentary box. And we've just seen, in a way, the result of that Change of the guard. Uh, Three one-day matches, three T20s and three ODIs against the India side. And England have come out second in both of those series. We've just seen a brilliant performance by Rishabh Pant, 125 not out, in his first ever one-day international century to seal victory for the Indians and win the one-day series 2-1 to follow the T20 series, which they also won 2-1. Simon, what do you make of it all?
2: Um, I th- well, I think the first thing to say is I think India are a good side. I, 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 you know, they put pressure on teams, both with the bat and the ball. Uh, Bumrah early in the series and Shami in that match at the Oval. And then today, no Bumrah today, but it was Siraj today in that second over, putting pressure on England, taking uh, two early wickets, getting Bairstow and then Root uh, caught at slip. I think this is an England side that are sort of trying to find themselves again. And trying to find the correct way of playing, there's obviously a lot of talent in the side. I think they're a bit thin on bowling, and you could argue actually that it's the batters that have not quite produced the goods in this series. But I think perhaps today, I don't know today whether you know if England say it had Wood and Archer, Wokes, whatever, you know some combination of those sort of unfit uh, players playing. I wonder whether they might have been able to defend 260 today. You know, there was a point in the game where India was 72 for four under real pressure and they actually responded. There was the miss stumping as well. I mean, you know, it's, it's fine margins, isn't it? We, we try to sort of pick out themes uh, from series. Sometimes incidents can settle series. Sometimes brilliant innings can settle series. Brilliant players. And perhaps we had a bit of a combination of, of that today. But, uh, you know, bottom line, a good India side, very good India side. And I think they are, for me from this distance out they are clear favourites to win the World Cup at home Uh, you know when it's played in India in what 14-15 months time
1: Yeah Uh, and and of course the key difference really is as you pointed out their bowling which they they have got a really penetrative and very experienced bowling attack England are still fiddling around trying to find their, their future one day attack obviously one doesn't know what's going to happen to Archer one assumes Wood will come back obviously there's Woke's Missing as well, and uh, no Adil Rashid, although he is going to be playing in the South Africa series that follows this week. So it, it was a sort of second string England attack, and the one or two have come through. Well, undoubtedly, Reese Topley has been the star, and actually, I found it odd today that he didn't complete his 10 overs.
2: Yeah, well, I, I, I yeah, he, he bowled really well in his first spell, then Pandya got after him a bit in his second spell. Yeah, it, it does, did seem strange that he didn't come back. Whether uh, Josh Butler thought that you, you know, he was a bit of a spent force, it was a very hot day and he put a lot in during the series. Whether he, I don't know, he felt he just didn't have what you know what was required to come back and, and bowl a, a third spell. I don't, I don't know. You know, India won inside the distance, and, and Josh Butler looked at other options. It, it, when, it, when you look at the bald face of it, toply three for thirty-five, seven overs. Yeah, why didn't he come back? Actually, poor old David Willey came back, didn't he? And, and Boulder an over that was absolutely panned or panted, if you like. I mean, five successive fours. It was thrilling batting. For the India spectators who turned up today, their supporters, was, you know, they're quite quiet for a while. Gradually, Pandy and, and Pant took over. But I mean, that was what they came to see, really. Uh, Rishabh Pant hitting five fours in an over. It was, it was wonderful, thrilling batting. But actually, a quite responsible innings from Pant today. You know, you th- you think of him being as you know this dasher, but I think he's changed his game, and I think that's a worry for the world's bowlers because he is much more focused now. There is the occasional rash shot, but there aren't quite as many as when he first started. And I think he's changed in the way that M. S. Dony changed, because Dhoni would play loads of shots; everything was going, you know, in the early days. And then he adapted, and he became a mighty, uh, you know, successful and, uh, and effective player. And and it looks to me as if Pant. Is going the same way. I mean, Jimmy Anderson was with us today in the commentary box and saying, you know, one one thing about Pant I've really noticed is how solid he he is technically. He's a good, you know, he's a good defender of the ball as well. Which you, you, you yeah, know, he, he you? even
1: uh, yeah, I mean, he even left the ball early on, didn't he? When uh, David Willey really bowled a few sort of wide outside off stump, he actually shouldered arms and showed the selectivity. You know, he he did what Richie Benno always used to say you should do: be there at the end see the team home, take the responsibility. And, and he did, and obviously absolutely decimated Willie's Bowling in that uh, last or penultimate over with those five fours, all brilliant shots. And I, I guess in a way, he illuminated one thing that that England have, have shown to be, to be deficient in, and that actually, ironically, is their batting. In these six games, I think only two fifties have been made, one by Milan, David Milan, and one by Joss Butler in this match. And, you know, the, the the Jason Roy, Johnny Bairstow and others, Joe Root, have looked uh, pretty much a shadow of their former selves temporarily. I mean, maybe there's fatigue there. In Roy's case, he's not quite uh, got back to his best and he's had a few injuries and things like that. But the batting has been a bit of a worry and they haven't really ever, apart from that one T20 when they got over 200, they haven't really fired as a unit. I found um, Liam Livingstone's batting a bit... A bit irritating because I know he's so talented and I really, I'm a big fan. And I know he thinks about the game in quite a lot of detail, but he's still making, I think he's just, he just gets a bit carried away and and takes too many chances. And actually maybe watching that pant innings today would have done him a lot of good.
2: I mean, we've talked about this quite a lot, haven't we, over the years, you know, and, and you know, in a way, Owen Morgan and o- Owen Morgan's team sort of re-educated us. Because, you know, we, we've, when, when they came out of that, that lull, didn't they, where they, they'd done nothing in one day cricket for so long, back back to 2015, 2016. You know, they said, we are going to play in an, in an aggressive way. We're not going to rein ourselves in. And, and there were times when they fell short scores. He thought they should have got these either batting first or batting second. They should have set a better total, or they might have chased the, the runs down. But, and we said, you know, that, sometimes you just need to rein yourself in and say, no, no, we we're not going to play that way. We're going to be ultra aggressive. But I, I don't know. I just I still have that nagging thought in my mind that you play a situation and you you react to it, and you sometimes need to be street smart. And I I just wonder whether. In this series against India, or both series against India, England have been sort of street smart enough, they sort of go full bore at it, and sometimes it doesn't work, sometimes you just need to sit in for a bit longer, I don't know, it's, it's getting that, it, of course it's getting that balance right, isn't it, and... I don't know. I wonder whether England will be slightly different under Jos Butler. You know, Owen Morgan wanted England to play one way. I wonder whether Jos Butler ultimately will want England to play in a, in a slightly different way, which is, you know, when you watch Butler play in, in T20, for example, he will sit in at the start. He doesn't always just blaze away. He is prepared mm. to take his time. And There was there was some regrouping today when, when Mo and Ali uh, was out there with, with Butler so you know they—they they, they, obviously they, they, you know, it's not like a shot of ball, but sometimes it feels like it, and sometimes it feels as though you can be a bit cannier about what you know. What do we know? I mean, we were sort of saying this in the test series, they well, were blazing away, and you know they—they they won the World Cup, and so. No. They... I, it's
1: difficult, isn't it, as a, as for Butler in a way because you know he's inherited this team which are, who are champions, and in a way you may feel pressure to try and you know, invent them a bit more, reinvent them even more or find a new way of evolving the team. And it's not easy when you've scaled the heights that they have. And he may be also, you know, there's a lot of kind of analytics going on at the moment in all formats. And one of the things that comes out of the of the, the general kind of deep dive analytics of Formula white, white ball cricket, white ball formats is the team who hits the most boundaries win nearly 90% of the games. Mm. So that may explain why somebody like Livingston bats the way he does. You know, they're not too worried about singles and twos and things like that. Butler, almost the same, certainly in T20. You can catch up with fours and sixes. But sometimes you've got to be a bit smarter, and it seems like these pitches haven't been quite the... The roads that England had got used to playing and have been so dominant on. So you can see Butler maybe evolving the team. I think it's pretty tough for him, you know. I mean, because he's a keeper and he's miles away from the bowler. And, you know, one of the great things about Morgan was that uh, calming influence at extra cover or mid off, that he can go and speak to the bowler. He, and he had that ploy of walking sort of quite slowly to the bowler with the ball in his hand and didn't hand the ball to the bowler until he'd said his piece, whatever it may be, or asked his questions. He was often a, he was a very questioning sort of captain. He'd go, right, well, what are you thinking of doing now? He wasn't a prescriptive captain. He would say, you know, I'd like to know what you're thinking of doing and I'll set the appropriate field. But he liked to have the bowler's attention by holding that ball briefly and then handing it to him. Butler rushing from the other end or handing the the uh, task to someone like Stokes just makes that job of in those critical moments uh, 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 managing those critical moments a little bit harder for him. Yeah, I'm sure he'll get there, uh, but and at the moment, you know, England are uh, underpowered, so I guess one shouldn't read too much into it.
2: Yeah, it's a tough act to follow, isn't it? You know, following Owen Morgan, who set a very high standard, and yeah, you know, I think it must be very. Uh, demanding actually to captain and keep and be one of the main batters. You know, there have been players who've done it. I mean, Emma Stoney is, uh, you know, has done it. You know, he's the, the prime example, isn't he, of a, of someone who's done that job for, you know, game after game after game after game. You know, and you know, it was punishing heat today. Emma Stoney would have played in, you know, most of the matches. They played in, you know, very hot conditions and you're, you're expected to concentrate. And, and there was a moment today, you know, that, that missed stumping. Uh, you know, ultimately, I suppose you could say you know, it could have settled the match. Uh, Pant was missed on eighteen what 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 did you think of it in terms of degree of difficulty i not very difficult
1: three out of ten uh, difficulty um I, I think 10. he Th- three out well 10. three out of ten difficulty yeah, so in other words not very difficult oh, right, relatively okay. easy uh so you know, you should you should get that stumping nine times out of ten let's say uh hmm. because he had full view of the ball. It's not caught up in the batsman's legs or down the leg side. It's outside the off stump. Pant's gone charging up the wicket. Had a big wipe, missed it. It didn't turn that much. It didn't keep low. It didn't bounce excessively. So I thought it was a fairly straightforward stumping, really, uh, for for a, a guy of his ability. And, and you know, he punched the ground as soon as he missed it, knowing he should have he should have got it. And Pant made them pay, didn't he?
2: Yeah, and, and actually, to be fair to Josh Butler, in, in the post-match interview I heard him, him give on on the BBC, you know, he said, "Yeah, you can't afford to let Pant off. You can't afford to give a player like that, you know, an, another life." He sort of accepted it without actually referring to him specifically, saying, "Yeah, I, I missed the big chance." He said, "You know, that there was a stumping chance. You know, it was missed, and you know, you can't afford to do that." So he did sort of hold his hand up. So you know, you'll perhaps go away from the ground tonight thinking, "Yeah." You know, it's it's a big thing, isn't it, for him to take on the team, and you know you take on the responsibility. And he actually showed that with his batting today. I thought it was you know really quite a responsible innings, trying to hold everything together. So he'll know, yeah, there'll be that feeling of disappointment or sort of nagging away at him. And I suppose that's one of the actually one of the big things for a, for a cricketer, especially at international level, is, tr- is trying to just put that out of your mind, isn't it? You know, you, it's it's amazing, isn't it? It's a bit like a goalkeeper, isn't it? One mistake can cost your team. You know, and obviously cost your team. A victory or you know cause defeat or whatever and it it wasn't totally that down to that today but it's one of those moments it was one of those all clutch moments in the game that and when you look back it ultimately it did have a a massive influence on the the outcome of the match So, Jos, how good do you think this India team is? I said earlier that I thought they were you know, big World Cup favourites at home, you know, mainly because it is at home, but also because they're, they're a very good side as well. They, they weren't that far off in the last World Cup in England, were they? I mean, they, they finished top of the group and they lost that semi-final, that tight semi-final at Old Trafford. and then they would have, you know, If they'd won that, they'd have gone through to play England in the final. You know, who knows? Again, it's that, they, those fine margins. Anyway, assess their strength.
1: Well, I think they're definitely a better side than they were in in the World Cup in 2019. Why is that? Well, I think Hardik Pandya has really come into his own now. He's the pivotal player in the team. He saw the Gujarat Titans, didn't he, to the World to IPL triumph. And he was captain and key batsman and also very influential bowler. And now he's back to full bowling strength. I think he's a vital cog in that team and gives them ambition and energy, potency and and just something quite exciting about the way he plays. Obviously, Pant has become, you know, he's replaced Dhoni. He's almost better than Dhoni, I suppose that's sacrilege to say it. But, you know, innings like that are certainly Dhoni-esque, the one he's played today. Uh, They need someone, I think, to, uh, to cement that opening pair. Rohit Sharma didn't have a great series, but still one of the premier world one day batsmen in the world and you know as long as he finds a, a suitable partner probably that might be kale rahul now uh, maybe darwan shika is just on the slide and also they've got this exciting player sirikuma yadav as well who played a scintillating innings in that t20 series and he just hits the ball where nobody else does uh, he, he could be a sort of ab de villiers in in the making in the future i mean he's just got so much uh, panache and, and, and ability so you know their uh, their batting looks exciting and obviously their bowling is is really good they didn't have Boomer in this match but uh, Boomer, shami and, and many other seamers plus the canniness of their spinners means they I think I back you I agree with you they, they are the favourites for the World Cup in the future possibly T20 as well as a
2: 50 over version what do you think? Yeah, I think they're an excellent side. I think they've got lots of options. I think that's the key. And they've got so much talent. And I think, you know, they're a team that can put you under pressure with both bat and ball, as I was saying earlier. And I think that is absolutely crucial. I mean, you know, one issue that I suppose they've got is with Virat Kohli. Long time without 100. You know he's not been in, in great form. I mean you'd back him somewhere on the line to come good because he, great players you know normally do after a while. You know they can have that fall off. They can have that struggle. It, I mean you wouldn't think it was terminal. Terminal his his decline. But you, know, you never know with these things. I mean, it could be. But, you know, you, you back him to come back. But they just I just think you look at the IPL and there just seems to be so much talent in the country. There's, you know, they've got a way of bringing it forward and also honing it in, you know, com- really competitive... Cricket, full focus cricket in front of big crowds, and I think you know that makes a a big difference. And that, and they they are sort of seeing the the benefits of that, the the fruits of that. I I, I think they're a really attra- they're a really attractive team to watch as well. And they they really provide you know serious competition. And you know this England team were a bit off it in this. Uh, series and India were able to exploit that. Okay, India, England did come back and and won well at, at Lords, but you know in the in the big game today, the decider, India were able to you know, come up with the goods. Really, put England under enough pressure with the bat, and then when they were under pressure themselves, they were able to respond with two you know really top class, exciting cricketers. I know. Uh, you know Pant is 28 now uh, Pant at 24 he's going to th- he's going to thrill us for a long time to come you you said he's he's better than Dhoni i think that's pr- it's probably a bit premature to say that at the moment but he is certainly you know, a wonderfully eye-catching player i mean you got to remember Dhoni went on and achieved an enormous amount in in english cricket but Pant has got you know certainly got the ability to to be right up there with someone like Dhoni and, and you know they they've got other players as well they have got so many other players who who look like uh, match winners um, so fifty over World cup next year, a bit remarkable if they don 't you know go a long way and that case. Okay, looking ahead quite a long way, and then the t20 world cup that 's what actually at the moment yours that 's what everyone is looking at isn 't it the t20 World Cup uh, coming up in australia and in because last time India lost to uh, Pakistan and they they flunked it didn 't they really in the uAE they, they really did uh, but are they going to flunk two tournaments? In a row, well, possibly, but they—they're they, exciting. They really are. Yeah, and they've got—they're they're a powerhouse. And, and
1: and I think it's 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 partly a mindset thing as well. In that, you know, when they were in the 2019 World Cup and the few years leading up to that, I don't think at times they took enough risks. They were still a bit of a safety first team. But now they yeah. they have seen what England have achieved and how they've raised the bar, and they've tried to match that and possibly even extended ultimately, uh, you know, by. Just, just playing that fearless, um, completely liber- liberated style of cricket, which obviously they've just seen at close hand in the Test match as well. And I, I think they, they, the thing is, as you say, they've got the depth to be able to do that and be aggressive with the ball, use the bouncer very intelligently with quite a lot of different uh, types of bowler as well. So, you know, they've got so much in the ranks. I mean, it'll it'll be fascinating. It'll be a a sort of deja vu in October next year when it's the the World Cup in India and they'll be under the same pressure and the same expectation as England were in 2019 when they were number one team in the world. So we'll see what happens. So anyway, let's look ahead because uh, coming up, hot on the heels of those six one-day games against India, we've now got six against South Africa, the, the T20s, and to start with the ODIs. Quite an interesting story around the South African team is that they are struggling; they could be struggling to qualify for that World Cup we've been talking about in sort of fourteen, sixteen months' time in India because they forfeited. The chance to play Australia in a one day series next year, early next year, because they want all their players, all their board, want all their players available for their new franchise-based T20 tournament, which is starting in January, almost clashing actually with the Big Bash, but they want all their major players available. So they've more or less defaulted on their one-day series against Australia, which could jeopardise their chance of qualifying for the World Cup. So they've got to sort of get onto a winning streak and win all the possible games they can, whether they count for the ODI Championship points or not,
2: which apparently these games don't, Simon. No, they don't. That's the really bizarre thing. There's only a select number of uh, t- um, series that count. You play eight that count, and you, you know you can play others as well. And this series between England and South Africa doesn't count. But as you mentioned, the one in Australia. That South Africa forfeited does count, and so basically Australia, you know, taken the points uh, from that one-day series because South Africa said, "We well, you know we're not going to play it." So what it means is South Africa are in well, they are in eleventh place in in the. Uh, World Cup League at the moment it's, it is quite complicated they're in 11th place they've got to finish in the top 8 and it looks as though they might not have the matches to do that to, you know, to catch up and so therefore they've sort of forfeited knowing that they're going to go into the qualifying tournament of the World Cup what they're going to do is back themselves to go through but only only two teams qualify from that so it, you know, it's a bit of a risk if something goes you know, wrong on the day in, in, in one crucial match in that qualifying tournament but I mean you'd expect them to come through but they are risking qualifying for the World Cup it's all nuts, by not isn't it? In I mean, it's all nuts. It is a bit. It, it's nuts.
1: That firstly, the fact that they are risking not qualifying. And secondly, the fact that they have to qualify at all, really. I mean, because well, there's only well, 10 way, teams, you it? see. It's, that's the stupid thing. I mean, World Cup should be 16 teams minimum. And hopefully in the well, end, they will yeah. be. But at the moment, they're still kind of restricted to the kind of premier teams. And everyone else is struggling and, you know, trying to g- get in where, you know, it should be a celebration of the World Game.
2: Yeah, well, uh, what, what's going to happen is that it is going to be changed for the next World Cup, which is actually going to be in South Africa and Namibia and Zimbabwe in 2027. Their qualification is going to change. I think it's 14 teams are going to qualify for that World Cup. But for this one, as you say, it's, it's only 10. And so, you know, they that, that South Africa potentially have been squeezed top eight and then two to qualify. Uh, you back them to go through. But, yeah, it, does, it would feel that a World Cup without South Africa wouldn't be, you know, quite what you want. But... Yeah, you know, also as well, you, you know, you. I think having a qualifying process is is a good thing. You can't just sort of let the old guard in. It, it's, there is, you know, there is some merit in saying, right? You know, there has to be some proper competition to, to get through. I think, I suppose, one of the confusing things is for everybody is that is that the sort of regulations, the rules you know, keep being changed. You know, one World Cup, it's this; one World Cup, it's that. And you know, this this cricket World Cup league that's in operation at the moment is being disbanded after this World Cup mm. <laughs> um, because they, you know, it's not seen as as fit for purpose, and they want more teams in the next one, so they don't need us a, or a, a, a competition like it is at the moment and actually what that means is actually odds. there's another knock on effect for that at the moment we're just seeing three match series which i think have some merit you know we've we've probably covered in you know, our time well certainly five match series i've certainly covered a seven match series and that is you know it just fails it go it just mm. it, you almost lose the will to live in a seven match yeah. series but The the three-match series is going to be out again and we're going to be back in the next uh, Future Tours programme. There are going to be five-match series again and also, you know, um, multi-team competitions as well in in, in one-day matches. So it's it's all changed. The the world of cricket, as we know, always... uh, Always in flux. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It it is. So what what that means for this series, England-South Africa series, it means that actually there are no um, World Cup points on offer So it is sort of exhibition cricket. It's a bit like the cricket, you know, we grew up watching, you know, the start of the summer, the Texaco trophy or whatever it was, you know, where you play three one day internationals against a touring team. We're we're back to that now. And I I suppose you get ranking points. But uh, apart from that, it's about TV revenue. It's about entertainment. It's about the crowds coming up. You know, turning up to watch and and trying to progress and develop your one day international team, which you you could argue England probably need to do. Look at a few options. One thing I noticed actually today after the match, Joss Butler was asked, you know, we talked about the South Africa series is coming up hard on the heels of this India series. You know, the game on Tuesday in Durham. and He said, yeah, poor scheduling, poor scheduling, which is for Joss is quite a...
0: Yeah, you know, it's a criticism, isn't it? Yeah, yeah
2: it is quite outspoken. You know, and and, you're, and he's right. You know, we got a game today, mm. and then there's a travel day, so they all go up on the bus tomorrow. Three hour journey to to Newcastle, to Durham, whatever, wherever they're staying, and then straight into a match against South Africa. We've had a few more days to prepare. They've been playing against the Lions actually in, in two matches, and they they got shellacked in one of them. A Brilliant Lions performance in the first one. South Africa fought back and won quite convincingly in the second. But well, they've had a few more days rest to prepare. Uh, for that uh, one day international on Tuesday in roast, roasting hot Durham. Mm. Um, wow, there's so an oxymoron like, for you. That, uh, well, you. Well, you spent a lot of your time in Durham. I bet it was never... How often was no, it 32 I mean, you're degrees absolutely in Durham?
1: Right, No, it was, It's never roasting in Durham. In fact, I, I can tell you that I once told Alistair Cook when during a test match in Durham, I said, do you know, it was once minus 27 in Durham, uh, during the winter of uh, 1981, and we played rugby on the frozen river, the River Weir. And he (laughs) went, nah, not a load of rubbish, don't believe it. And I said, okay, look it up then. And we looked it up, and one of the coldest winters of the last 30 or 40 years was the winter, I think it was early 1982 actually, uh, and, uh, you know, if you look it up, actually, on the stats, I think it says Berwick on Tweed, which isn't that far from Durham, recorded minus mm. 28, and in Durham it was minus yep. 27. So that that was more the sort of typical temperatures, but not certainly not this week. Uh, it's going to be cracking flags <laughs> in Durham, so absolutely fantastic. And, I, no, I shared uh, Joss Butler's uh, point of view there. Of course, it is all because of COVID catch-up, isn't it, that they're adding all these extra games in that, people owe each other and tv companies have been clamoring for but to maintain their schedules and so on so it is all a bit unrealistic and it's not going to happen again i hope
2: well i suppose it's to do with shoehorning the india test match into the summer schedule yeah Yeah, you talk about covid catch of course you know i I walked back from old trafford tonight the last time i walked back from old trafford to the hotel i'm staying in you know it was the the abandoned match Mm. uh, at the end of last summer you know it felt really sort of deflationary but Bizarrely, of course, it then led to one of the great Test matches this summer between England and India. You know, with England coming out on top and you know that that record run chase. Um, so you could argue that out of bad or disappointing came some some great good. So uh, this this South Africa series, uh, I don't know. Eng- England going to make some changes by the sounds of it. Josh Butler saying after you know we might have to mix and match a bit. So we might see uh, Sam Curran. We might see uh, well we'll see Ali Rashid. We might see one or two of the batters come in. Uh, possibly, in, you know, who are in the, the sort of the backup up batters um, come into this uh, series. Yeah. But in, you, talk, you talk about COVID catch-up, there is a series against South Africa where England have to go back to South Africa and they have to go to Bangladesh as well and play series that do relate to the, the, the World Cup uh, Super League. Mm. And those are COVID catch-up series. You know, they just have to go and play them because they didn't play them at the time and that they, you know, they have to be in the calendar so they have a sort of full schedule of matches uh, so they can actually deduce who will qualify for the next World Cup. Yeah. Well, it's a good chance
1: that this series to to try a few people. I'd like to see a bit more of Harry Brook, for sure. You know, maybe mm. experiment with somebody else to open. I mean, that sounds harsh on Jason Roy or even Johnny Bairstow, but that one-day cricket evolves so fast, and you don't want to be just... Resting on your laurels. Obviously, Bairstow and Roy were fantastic in the 2019 World Cup and leading up to it. But maybe they need to look at that, uh, who, who should open. Maybe they're a bit too similar. I don't know. I mean, so it would be worth just experimenting a bit. I mean, I mean obviously, you don't want to create total instability and uncertainty because what England were so strong on was... That, that fearless approach, which was partly based on the loyalty to a select band of players that they were going to trust and follow through with for that three- to four-year period. So if you start chopping and changing too much, then that does create instability in the ranks. But, you know, fitting in one or two players here and there, Phil Salt may be another one that they can, uh, you know, give a bit of an extended run to, perhaps.
2: Yeah, well, Phil Salt is one that that could uh, play in the series. Uh Harry Brook is not in the one-day series. He's in the T20 series. He's not been named in the squad. Matthew Potts has been brought in for the one-dayers against South Africa. So he is an option to come in straight away. Sam Curran, because Joss Butler was talking about uh, rotating s- some of the bowlers, and Adia Rashid. So there's, there are three bowlers straight away that could come in on for Tuesday's match. But it's not a huge squad. So think, you know, most of the players that play today are going to have to play on on Tuesday as well, one one thing we haven't talked about yours, which we should perhaps just reflect on finally, was that dramatic end to the T Twenty Blast final between uh, Hampshire and uh, Lancashire. You played in some dramatic uh, one day final finishes uh, yourself. You've been on the winning end, you've been on the re- receiving end, but I bet you've never seen anything quite like that. It was extraordinary, wasn't it? So, put us in the picture here. What what actually happened? Well, it's f- five to win. Four would have done it for Lancashire because of a score after six overs, the power play overs, so they needed a boundary. Ball was bowled by Ellis. Uh, Lancashire, sorry, yeah, (laughs) Lancashire. Lancashire batter bowled. Hampshire celebrate. Then they discover it's a no ball. So it's an extra run, a free hit. And so suddenly Lancashire only need two to win. And the ball's bowled again and it goes through to the keeper they run through for a bye the keeper comes up takes the bails off but the the non strikers made it through to the striker's end so he, he's not run out and so is the ball still live so could they still run another run and of course what it would need for the keeper just to hold the ball to the stumps and lift the stump out of the ground and i, I, I don't think langshaw were making that much of it at, at the time but dane villas was the captain came on was sort of making the point that you know we you know suddenly the game was over but actually we could have run so it was sort of called Prematurely, but the MCC is saying uh, today that the umpire signaled by, and once he signaled by, it was dead ball, so the game was over. That's the MCC's official version on on the laws of the game. So, and also, I think it's pretty tenuous to say that uh, Lancashire you know, could have got got through for another run. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's a it's a bit of a sort of stretch to be honest. And Hampshire, I think, were you know were legitimate and ultimately a deserving winners. But I mean, the dramatic thing really was the was the no ball, wasn't it? I mean, your, your team have won, and then you find your bowlers overstepped. Mm. Uh, you know, it's incredible. You have got to stay behind the line, obviously. And, and that's one of the things you say, isn't it, to a bowler: make sure you stay behind the line or don't bowl a wide. Actually, I think that happened in the. On the final ball of the uh, the IPL about
1: two or three years ago, when Malinga bowled the last ball, and there was a lot of argument afterwards about whether it was a no ball, and in fact it was. You know, they they looked at the footage and it was marginal, yeah. and you know the the team the Mumbai Indians won. But you know it, it's it's <laughs> it's these kind of like centimeter decisions, mm. and obviously in this case the no ball was fairly clear, so it was fair enough to have to bowl it again. Well played Hampshire anyway, and nice to see a, a trophy going down to the South Coast and Rod Bransgrove and all the money he puts into the game. So a nice reward for him.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it just shows you've got to keep going in the in the blast. It's a long competition. Hampshire actually finished fourth in the group and went on to win the tournament, Surrey, of course, finished top of their group, 21 points, and didn't even make finals day. Um, it, it can be pretty brutal at times, uh, the game of cricket. It's, um, it's a sort of, but it is a lesson just to keep on going and you know, see where it, it, it takes you. You can be sort of a bit behind in the group stage of a competition, yet you can still uh, stay alive in that competition.
1: You know what I was quite, quite pleased to see? Nathan Ellis, in, in that last over, he bowled a, a really good Yorker, which was the, the, the penultimate ball in the end which was adjudicated a no-ball, but then he had the confidence and courage to bowl a slower ball on the last ball, which is what I tried to do in 1989 with fatal results. But it takes guts, and he did it well, and it finally got the result he deserved. Not that you're dwelling on it, yours. (laughs) No, I'm not dwelling on it. Of course not. No... Well, anyway, look, um, we've had an interesting weekend uh, of of cricket and we're now looking ahead to the three one-day matches against South Africa, which I'm sure will provide some interesting talking points. So we'll be back at the end of this week to look at those and review those matches for you. In the meantime, keep cool and thanks for listening.